Welcome to the Pre-Health Pod. My name is Lexi. And I'm Sarah. And we're both pre-health students who want to share our stories and give you the guidance that we wish we had when we were in our college years. Exactly. And our audience, we're really hoping, is a group of motivated pre-health students. So whether you're meeting us from the pre-med track or pre-PA or even pre-dental, we really hope that we're able to give you the guidance that you need and that we wish we'd had and that we can all collaborate together and that Lexi and I are able to answer any question you may have throughout your journey. Exactly. And we'll have some guest speakers on our podcast too. Some of these speakers will include other pre-health students like me and Sarah, and then some current physicians in various medical specialties, as well as physician associates and admissions directors in PA and NDO programs, as well as a variety of other healthcare careers as pre-health encompasses many different fields. Yeah, I'm really excited about all of the guests that we hope to have in the future This way, you don't just have to take our word for it either. We promise to bring you the best of the best and introduce you to some incredible people that have already made it to their goals. And not to steal the spotlight from us, but if you haven't yet, be sure to check out the National Pre-Health Conference. This will be our fourth virtual conference this year. It's going to be in July this summer. And not only is it free and virtual, But it's also a three-day event where we'll connect you to a bunch of really amazing people and introduce you to a bunch of incredible specialties. So we're hoping that you'll join us there as well. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a great year. So Lexi, do you want to just tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life right now? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Well, I graduated from Arizona State University and Barrett to the Honors College last May in 2022. I got a degree in medical microbiology and I also minored in Spanish. And since then, I completed my first gap year. I've been doing a bunch of nonprofit work, including working as the CEO and co-founder of the National Pre-Health Community. And now I'm about to enter my second gap year, and I'm currently applying to medical school. And the application just opened a couple days ago, May 2nd, 2023. So lots of exciting things. I'm really, really hoping that I get into medical school this next year and we can start in the fall of 2024. That's so exciting, Lexi. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch you achieve your dreams. I think it's going to be great. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. And what are you doing right now? I know you're up to some exciting things. Oh, yeah. I'm having tons of fun over here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually just finished my finals last week. My last final exam for my undergraduate degree was Thursday. So that was like two days ago. So yeah, I've officially completed my bachelor's in science in biology with with like a focus in biomedical uh, sciences. And I can't believe it's over. But besides that, I've been working with NPHC, doing some nonprofit work. I'm the COO of NPHC right now. Before that, I was actually the social media director. So you should definitely follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm a diehard (laughs) social media person for NPHC. So I'll probably say that a lot throughout this. Girl, we could not. Yeah. We could not have done MHC without you. You've been an amazing social media director. Thank you. I love it. I really love social media and getting to reach people in that way. But besides that, I've been working as a scribe. I've been scribing at an emergency department that's in kind of an underserved rural area. 
So it's definitely a very different experience than most scribing opportunities. It's not a banner. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I'll get into it, I'm sure. But we don't even have a blood bank. So the kind of ER department that I'm working in, it's been interesting. It's been a cool experience. But yeah, I'm really excited. I think this next part of my life is going to be great. I'm applying for a PA school right now. I've got some interviews coming up that I'm thrilled about. And hopefully I'll get accepted here soon and I can start PA school. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that. And we're both Creole students, you know, who just recently graduated from their universities and we're hopefully about to enter into our healthcare programs, PA or MD. And so we just want to share our stories, what we went through in college and tell you really what we wish we knew back when we were freshmen. Definitely. And I must say, we're not hopeful. We know. (laughs) We've put in the hard work and whether or not we get accepted to our dream schools this year, this is our path and we're going to make it happen, even if it's not right this second. Exactly. Well, Sarah, I want to start off with uh, my first question, just about the pre-health process. What was it like for you your freshman year when you chose your major and you decided, you know, I wanted to go into healthcare? Absolutely. Honestly, this question, I can take it even farther back than my first year in undergrad. I had a grandfather who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was really young. And we really Mm -hmm. were able to build like a really awesome community with our family because we all lived within the same area. And this community that we built together, we were able to support him and my grandma and taking care of him for much longer than a lot of people are able to. And that was just such a blessing, being able to keep him at home for so much longer. But because of that, I actually spent a lot of time taking care of him. When I was nine years old, I learned how to give him his insulin shots. And wow, honestly, that was my first moment where I was like taking care of people. This is what I love. I enjoy this. This is something I should do. And just going on from there, I just kept taking on more responsibilities and helping take care of him and support him in his life. And it just really kind of instilled in me that I want to help people. This is where I find the most joy. And then when I started my freshman year and I started taking those biology and chemistry classes, I already knew I loved science, but I didn't realize how much I loved science until I got into college and I got to join labs and work on a little research project and everything in my life just kept telling me, this is it. This is medicine. This is where I belong. And I was able to make some really awesome friends like Lexi and (laughs) this community that we built, this pre-med community was amazing. And I don't think there's anywhere else that I could see myself being happy for the rest of my life. So It's definitely been my number one goal forever. Uh, Oh, I love that. That is such a cool story. I don't think I actually knew that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever asked you until just now on the pod. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea why you went into medicine. So tell me. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's quite the story and I will share it. So it's taken me a lot of work to be able to share this story and talk to a lot of people about it. And I'm definitely ready to share it with the world. And I'm definitely sharing it, you know, with my med school apps, but I'm a victim of domestic violence. When I was a kid, my father, unfortunately was very abusive towards my family. And he also suffered from bipolar disorder. 
And so when I found out his diagnosis at 10 years old, I kind of ignorantly decided to be a neurosurgeon thinking that this was my life's goal. Okay, now I have this big problem in my life that I thought was solely caused by mental illness. And I now need to become something that specializes in this area and, you know, somehow like does surgery to remove this illness. At 10 years old, I did not know that something like bipolar disorder could not be fixed with an operation. And as I grew older, I realized more and more that mental illness is very new in our world. And it just became hopeless with my life and my family career. And so eventually I actually convinced my mother to divorce my father when I was around 14. It got worse. Unfortunately, he ended up having shared custody, even though there was evidence of abuse of me and my siblings. Eventually, I was able to graduate high school early, even though I had the dream of becoming a neurosurgeon at 10 and realized that that dream was because I wanted to save my family. It still sparked this passion and interest for medicine. I found that the way I wanted to like save my family and care for my brothers and help them not suffer and go on to be successful, I still want to do that in a different way through healthcare and help patients and do what I can to make a difference in their lives, even if it's not saving my family with an operation. Ever since then, I've still been very interested in healthcare. When I graduated high school, I went to high school in Florida. I was like, what is somewhere new? I wanted to start fresh and have just a new experience and show my siblings that you know you can still be successful and you can go off and have a great career. We don't have to make what happened to us when we were kids the definition of our lives. And so I made something of myself and I graduated high school and went to Arizona State University. There, I met so many amazing mentors. I joined a research lab and I truly learned through shadowing and scribing experiences that like medicine is just phenomenal and it's, I cannot see myself doing anything else in my life. And so, yeah, that's my story. And it's kind of insane that now, like we've moved on from what's happened in my life. Unfortunately, my dad did pass away from brain cancer a couple of years ago. And ever since that happened, it made me rethink about everything that happened to me as a kid. And I've been able to work on myself and realize that, you know, healthcare still is my dream career. That's incredible, Lexi. Honestly, after hearing that story, I think it's kind of crazy how we both got sparked. Our spark was from our family and watching them struggle with different illnesses Mental health really is such a crazy concept in psychology and psychiatry. It's so vast and there's so many factors that contribute to it. And I just, I want to hug little 10 year old you who just wanted (laughs) to cut that piece out. Oh, it just breaks my heart. But I'm really glad that you were able to turn that into this incredible life that you live and all of the goals that you keep reaching and overachieving every where I think you made 10 year old you proud. Oh, Sarah, you're gonna make me cry. (laughs) That is so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so too. The whole situation too. It's just very sad. My father was a very broken man and a part of me, I still loved him and I wanted to help him. And I knew what he did was wrong. And when I got older, mental illness was not the excuse for it, but everybody has a story. And I just was like, man, I just want to help you. I've learned 
in therapy that like mental health is a very new field, like within the last a hundred years. And so I'm sure a lot more research will come out that will better support these patients. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Wow. Well, should we talk about (laughs) NPHC? (laughs) Yeah, we can transition. (laughs) We can brighten this up a bit now. I think you should tell your story, Lexi. How did you create NPHC? How did that happen for you? Oh my gosh, I love sharing this story. So (laughs) like a lot of pre-med students and pre-health students, you know, at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was March, 2020. I was actually living in Switzerland at the time. I was participating in this like research abroad program and oh my gosh, I was having the time of my life. I was traveling on the weekends to different cities in France and Switzerland. And I was working in my lab on varying cancer research during the week. And I was meeting people of all different backgrounds from countries all over the world. I was supposed to be there February through July. And then in March, you know, within one week, everything changed. I know at ASU, people were like on spring break. And then all of a sudden their spring break like was delayed. And I'm sure you can touch on that a little more. Um, Absolutely. It was like, I was in my lab and it was like one day there's mysterious illness, possibly COVID-19 or at the time SARS-CoV-2 or whatever we called it from Italy because Italy was on lockdown and people I knew studying abroad, they were already gone. I was like, oh my gosh, this better not come here to Switzerland. Because I thought in my head, I was like, Switzerland's borders are tight. They're not going to let this come into their country <laughs> and ruin my study abroad program or whatever. And by the end of the week, I went on another trip. And then literally two days later, I got a call from ASU and they were like, you need to come home immediately and book the next flight. Your study abroad program is canceled. I was heartbroken. I was able to fund the program through a scholarship. And so when I returned to the States, I was like, I cannot afford rent. I don't have any money. How do I find housing? And I had to like negotiate with ASU to get my dorm. And oh my gosh, it was a huge mess. And I felt like I lost so much opportunity through this program. And all of my, I was volunteering at a hospital during college and I was working in my lab and all of my opportunities were either canceled or postponed like indefinitely because of the pandemic. And I just felt lost. As a pre-L student, I wanted to go to medical school right after college. And I didn't know with these opportunities being canceled left and right, I was like, I don't know if my application will be good enough. And of course that plays into like, why would I have to think that? And at the time, my high school best friend, she goes to another university and She went to school with me in Florida, reached out to me and was like, hey, why don't we get together and talk about how like online learning has changed and is impacting pre-L students. Together, we came up with this idea to turn it into the National Pre-L Conference. We were like, why don't we host a three-day event all online, all on Zoom, virtual free. At the time, Zoom was super popular. So we were like, might as well use that platform. And we were shocked within two months of planning, over a thousand people registered. And we had some prominent guest speakers, including the Dean of Admissions from Stanford University Medical School, as well as some great speakers at Mayo Clinic. And we had a great turnout. People were emailing us asking about our next event. And we knew that this was going to be big. And ever since then, we've been planning the conference. And these last two years, I stepped up and am now CEO of 
the organization and we are fiscally sponsored by 501c3 and we're continuing to grow and we're having our fourth conference this July. And I hope through this podcast as well, we can reach more students and share our free resources and guidance and opportunities to help you get into the dream school that you want to get into. Yeah, honestly, it's not just inspiring to me because of how incredible of an opportunity you've created for pre-health students everywhere. But you were feeling the same feelings that I were. COVID happened, (laughs) you were lost, you were confused, you were panicking. I was feeling all that too. And you did something with those feelings and you created such an incredible opportunity. My experience with COVID, I was here on campus at ASU and we were on spring break. I was actually in Costa Rica. I was traveling And I remember I was in the Costa Rica airport trying to get back to the States and all of the TVs like had the breaking news thing flashing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they announced that Costa Rica was going to be closing its borders. And I was sitting in the airport panicked. (laughs) So I was like, am I going to get out of Costa Rica or am I stuck here now? Thankfully, they let everyone who was boarding leave and they let all those planes leave. But after like midnight that night, they completely closed down Costa Rica to all travelers and a lot of people got stuck there. So I was really fortunate to get out when I did. And I went back thinking, this is crazy. Why is this happening? And then ASU announces spring breaks extended and we're all like, woo, party time. And then it's extended again, and then again, and then again. And then finally, they were just like, we're going to do this virtually. We're going online. And COVID just exploded, and it took over. And it was a really scary time. I had been in a lab doing research on climate change, and they announced that because of the campus closure, all of our samples had been lost because we were using live samples of insects. And that they would be sucks. Yeah, it was really sad. They ended up completely scrapping that entire research project. We lost all of our work. And so I no longer had a research project. I had been a volunteer at Phoenix Children's Hospital working with the kiddos, and they told us that they couldn't have us back in the hospital anymore. So I wasn't volunteering. All of my classes were online. I was afraid of getting of how hard it would be to get letters of recommendation. And I was just in a full panic spiral of what am I going to do? (laughs) And everyone, of course, all of the like pre-health advisors were all saying the same thing. This is affecting everyone. Medical schools will understand. They're not going to take this critically, but you don't take much comfort in that as a (laughs) pre-med student. No, we're all type A. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I'm freaking out. And I actually got an email from the ASU newsletter because Lexi went to ASU and she had just started this conference and they were advertising the conference and inviting students to attend. And I've never signed up for something so fast. And after sitting through that conference and watching it, I was amazed. I was so impressed that a bunch of college students had done this and I knew I wanted to be a part of it. So when they sent out an email in December looking for more volunteers to help them plan these conferences, I was there. I was ready. That was when I actually met Lexi in an interview applying (laughs) to be their social media director. 
And immediately I knew I liked her. I was like, wow, she's incredible. She's so organized. She's done this amazing thing. And she was honestly inspiring. And I'm just so glad that I was able to join your team because it's just been the greatest experience of a lifetime. I couldn't imagine working on something else and being able to be involved in a nonprofit at, I think I was 19 when I started. That experience is just irreplaceable to me. And I love watching us grow. I love it. It's been great. So I really hope that all of our audience listening, if any of you are freshmen just starting out, I really hope you never have to experience a pandemic in your undergrad. I really do. I hope that for you. But if you do, we will be here. (laughs) We will support you through another one if it comes down to it. And I know know that it's going to be okay. We can all get through anything at this point. Girl, you were so cool in your interview. Stop. You just you just came on and you were like, listen, your social media Instagram is all PowerPoint slides. And that's <laughs> terrible. And we need to fix it ASAP. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you led the interview. Let's be real. You were like, here's what we're gonna do. And I was like, absolutely, I need you. I need people like you who are also passionate about our mission to take initiative. Absolutely. No, I was so, so excited about NPHC. I saw the potential it had and I knew that it needed to grow immediately. And just a little background on my social media experience, if any of you are wondering. Um, My dad actually started a company when I was in high school and he needed a marketing director and he didn't have any money for it. So he sent me to a community college to take some marketing classes and some social media classes and advertising classes. I took all those classes and I was like, wow, this is fun. I was a theater kid. I'm not going to lie. I'll admit it. I was a theater (laughs) kid in high school. So I've always kind of had a creative aspect in my brain that I wanted to use social media is the way I use it, working for different companies. So when I joined NPHC, I was freelancing for a couple different small businesses like Arizona Photographers. NPHC was a whole new world because there's no product to sell. We're just trying to <laughs> reach you guys and make sure you know we exist so that you can come learn from us. I mean, yeah. we do this entire thing for free. Some people <laughs> some people don't I believe us when we say that. I have to continuously tell people, like, I make no money. Yeah. And I'm doing this to just kind of give back to you guys. I wish I was like you, you know, as a freshman listening to our resources and our events. Yeah. And we both have a little bit of oldest child syndrome. (laughs) There was no one before us. So we had to make our way through college. (laughs) We had no brother or sister to ask questions to. So if I can be your big sister in this way, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Well, why don't we shift a little bit and talk more about college and kind of what we did, maybe what we did like before the pandemic and some of our experiences we've had that the pandemic hasn't affected because I know, I think the WHO declared that it's not an emergency anymore, which is interesting just recently. And so we can shift into gaining more of these in-person opportunities again. So Sarah, what are some experiences that you had that I like shaped your goal into pursuing PA school? Absolutely. So 
When I started out in college, I knew I wanted to go into medicine, but I wasn't quite sure on in what way. Yeah. I, I knew I didn't want to be a dentist because <laughs> of my own <laughs> personal fears of the dentist. But other than that, I wasn't quite sure how I would end up in the medical field. So when I started out, I was a volunteer at Phoenix Children's Hospital, and that was like the first time I had been in a clinical setting, not as the patient. So watching all of the different healthcare providers interact with these kids, it really like opened my eyes to the differences between doctors and PAs and how they work together on a team and just how they interact. So that was an incredible experience because I don't think I would have realized that PAs even existed if I hadn't have done that when I did. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I even know it was an option for me. I had thought doctor was like the only way I was really going to get to make a difference. And then from there, I actually became a scribe and I got to work in an emergency department. So that was really exciting because being on a rural underserved scribe team you work really close with the providers. It's the same like 10 people working every single day. And during the COVID pandemic, we were still there working in our N95s and hazmat suits and all of the craziness. We were still there scribing for them. And That's so, insane. yeah, it was pretty crazy and it was hard. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of sadness intertwined with it. And it was a lot to take on emotionally, Yeah, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was an incredible opportunity. And through it, I developed so many connections with doctors and PAs. And that was the job where I really realized I'm going to be a physician's associate. There's no other career for me. I cannot see myself as a doctor, but I know that I would make a great PA and that that's where I belong. So I mean, I would really encourage everyone, if you have the opportunity to scribe, take it and do it. Even if it's oh, not yeah. in an ER, like I know there's orthopedic scribes, there's derm scribes, there's so many different scribing opportunities, but that is an incredible way to gain clinical hours for your resume. And both being a volunteer at PCH and scribing in that ER, that was my most influential moments in my undergrad degree. The research was great, but it was doing those two things that really shaped my view on healthcare and made me realize what I wanted. Oh my gosh. I love that story. Okay. I just think it's so cool how like you were interested in medicine and then you were like, actually, let me consider this PA route. Cause me too. I didn't really know what a PA was until I was a scribe. Yeah. Um, it's such a interesting field. It really and is. Definitely rising. And wasn't it like the top like profession, like number one profession for happiness or something in the last few years? Was it? I have no idea. Yeah, I think I wouldn't it was. be surprised. I mean, I guess real quick, I should probably expand because if I didn't know what a PA was, you might not either. Yeah, um, good point. Yeah. So recently they changed the name PA from physician assistant to physician associate. So I might use those interchangeably <laughs> just yeah. on accident because that I was calling it a physician assistant for most of my undergrad life. But basically you work as a team with a doctor 
because you can't exactly work independently. You're always going to be under the supervision of a doctor. Although you can do a lot of things, there are some things you can't do. For example, PAs can't just go perform a surgery. They're never going to be able to do that independently, but they can assist a doctor during the procedure. So you still have the opportunity to go into surgery if you'd like to, and you can specialize that way. But really, both a PA and a doctor can develop patient treatment plans, prescribe medications, place orders, run the whole thing. You can do all of the patient care. It's just that at the end of the day, you are operating under a doctor's license. And with that, there comes a lot of respect and a lot of teamwork because they have to trust you and trust your judgment. So I think personally, I see myself most happy and most successful working in a rural community, hopefully in an emergency department, because the relationships that PAs and doctors are able to develop in this setting is just incredible. Honestly, some of the relationships, it was like they were working with their best friend. And there's so much trust built in that way where you don't really see that as much in a big, fancy, magical hospital where they have everything you could ever possibly need. (laughs) And I know I have seen that. That's a challenge. Oh, you have? Yeah. Well, I'm not a big, fancy, magical hospital, but when I shadowed another hospital here in Phoenix, Mm -hmm. I shadowed like orthopedic and thoracic and vascular surgery. I've shadowed a lot of surgical specialties, but those big ones, I shadowed an aortic aneurysm repair and the PA and the lead doc were like working hand in hand together to perform this operation. And same thing for the orthopedic surgeries. I shadowed like knee and hip replacements and the PA was there. Like they are like a team and the orthopedic surgeon literally told me and was like, I could not do this specialty I could not do this profession or any of these procedures without my right-hand man, my PA. That's so sweet. And I found that so inspiring. And I was like, man, I kind of want to be that right-hand man PA. (laughs) I thought about it for a second. I was like, maybe I should do that. Yeah. No, I should have clarified. When I was talking about how like the rural setting is so much better, I'm being very specific to emergency medicine. Yeah. Um, It's very much an ER thing because in rural, most of the time in rural, you have like one doctor and two PAs or a PA and an NP. And that kind of setting doesn't happen in like a big facility because it's usually like 10 doctors and 10 PAs and they're completely separated on different sides of the department. So very specifically, I was meaning emergency medicine. There's definitely a lot of teamwork in more smaller specialties like surgery. And that's just incredible too. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, PA is awesome. Highly recommend it if anyone's thinking about it. Two years of school and you get to start practicing, sometimes three years. Yeah. Doesn't it depend on the program? Yeah. All the programs are so different. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that in a later episode, but yeah, you really have to do a lot of groundwork and figuring out what makes each program special before you start applying. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. What about you, Lexi? What do you think was your best opportunities during your undergrad? What shaped you the most? I think clinically related. I'll talk about those. Um, I have some other stuff that are honestly not really healthcare related that were super fun, but Clinically related, my first ever experience 
in a hospital clinical setting. I never did any shadowing or volunteering at all in high school at all. And my first summer of freshman year, I volunteered at a medical center in Tempe in Arizona. Oh my gosh. I just loved that position so much. I shadowed for about six months and I would have done it longer if the pandemic hadn't intervened or anything. But through that experience, I sat at the front desk and I greeted patients that they came in to the entire hospital and they checked in and were sent to administration to be sent certain ways. And then some patients came in for procedures that were in different parts of the hospital. And I usually had a lot of downtime and they encouraged us to escort these patients to all different departments of the hospital. And that was my favorite part of that position and really encouraged me to pursue this career. I'm very extroverted. I love talking to people, even like just through classes and opportunities for me to like figure out or solve a problem. I just want to talk to someone about it. I need to always be calling someone. And so with this position, I was like, I get to talk to people. This is great. (laughs) People would come in and be like, I have no idea how to get to the maternity ward. And I'm like, we would walk. It would take about 15 minutes because sometimes I would get lost. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'd be like, no, it's okay. I know where I'm going. <laughs> Usually I made my way and I get to learn about their lives, like what kind of work they were doing and what led them to this moment, some of their jobs, how excited they were, some things that they didn't want to know. And there are just so many different people out there it's a customer service position. I got to meet different people of all different backgrounds in the Phoenix community. And I really enjoyed talking to them. And so that was my first clinical position, all volunteer. And then I studied abroad and then the pandemic happened and I really wanted to be a medical scribe. My freshman year, I found out that like medical scribing is the best way to learn about the healthcare field and terminology and meet different people. I am so fortunate. It's honestly just luck because I stumbled across this table outside of one of my classrooms at ASU and they were literally closing up shop. And I noticed that they were scribing and I just went up to them and I was like, what are you doing? What's this? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, oh, let me tell you. And they were like, you know, also pushing their motive. They were like, you got to join us. Like it's the best way to get into medical school and learn about the healthcare field. And you know what? They actually were right. And so I made it yeah. my goal after studying abroad to do that immediately. And I tried to start it in 2020 and then they kept like deferring it, deferring it because obviously they weren't accepting anybody new in mm-hmm. the ERs. And I only applied to ER at the time because I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do neurosurgery, but then I'm like, actually, I don't know. I could do anything. And I started working in the ER in 2021. I thought working in the ER would expose me to like all different kinds of specialties and help me decide. And it kind of did in a way because I got to meet different doctors who consulted on patients. And I thought that was really interesting and learn about their cases. I saw things from like sepsis to like you know, dislocated knees and shoulders and hips. And those were always super interesting to me. (laughs) Um, I, they literally like climb on top of the patient and push their leg back into their hip. And I was like, this is it. This is is medicine. Yeah. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw a dislocated shoulder, I was not prepared for that procedure in quotation marks. (laughs) I felt it. I felt like my shoulder was dislocated. Oh yeah. (laughs) When I walked in there, I was like, oh, ouch. 
Um, Absolutely. (laughs) I worked as a scribe for like over a year until I graduated college. And oh my gosh, it was awesome. And also in my time in college, I was a part of this Mayo Clinic pre-medical scholars program as part of the honors college program. That also was like one of my most impactful experiences. I got to shadow surgical specialties, which I became very interested in after working in the ER, especially orthopedic surgery, I thought was very interesting. And I really liked the work-life balance that seemed to come with it. There's a saying that orthopedic surgeons are the happiest surgeons. And you know, that sounds great. (laughs) I'm like all for that. We're all for being happy. I was like, I don't want to be the happiest surgeon. Um, But also the procedures were very interesting to me and the doctors I met too were very kind and um, they do, they'd seem very happy with their career and they didn't want to do anything else in their lives. But thoracic surgery too is also very interesting to me. So I'm also conflicting with that. And I also did an anatomy lab and a suturing lab. And I also sat in lectures um, related to healthcare, like the opioid crisis and um, mental illness and mortality. And so that too also exposed me to not just like the specialty side of medicine, but also like the community side of medicine. What kind of patient populations do you see? And it's important to be aware of that and know that for the specialty you want to do. Absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, I do want to say real quick, you got me thinking in regards to that first experience you had where you were kind of being customer service for these patients. I do want to say that the field of pre-health students, you're going to find a lot of introverts and a lot of extroverts and a lot of somewhere in between. Make sure that you're accepting opportunities that best fit your personality type because Lexi's extrovertedness, it fit well in that. She was able to engage with patients, make them feel comfortable around her, and she was able to hear their stories and learn so much about patient history taking and all of that. But if you're more of an introverted person and you want to be a fly on the wall, scribing is definitely going to be the better choice because you really get to just observe and hear from the perspective of someone who's much less involved. You really don't engage much in talking to patients. So always remember that every opportunity that's out there, it might not be the right fit for you, or it might be the perfect fit for you. So make sure you're not accepting opportunities just because they're an opportunity. That's like my biggest piece of advice. (laughs) You got to do things you love so you can brag about it later. Exactly. And it'll show in your applications. If you're passionate about the experiences that you have done, whether that was a project in your class or medical scribing, that will show through your application. And I also want to make note, I wish I knew this. I didn't learn this until later on in my college career, but thankfully I was a scribe. Shadowing is not clinical experience at least yeah. for medical school applications or PA. So yeah. And I have heard stories where people have applied to medical school and they've gotten great stats. They've had great shadowing experiences, but absolutely no clinical experience. And by clinical experience, I mean, scribing, EMT, phlebotomy, things like that, where you're actually working with like inpatient clinical settings, mm-hmm. then, you know, they don't get accepted to medical school. Yeah. And I've heard those stories on and on again. So whether you're just coming out of college or 
just starting, make sure you get that clinical experience before you apply. It's very important. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we will go ahead and wrap up. I just want to say thank you so much, Sarah, for starting this podcast with me. I'm so excited to have some of our future guest speakers and PA, MD, DO, um, medical specialties of all kinds and admissions directors, you know, come on our podcast and share a little bit more information about being successful in the pre-health process. Absolutely. And I'm really excited too. I'm glad that we get to do this together. And I just want to thank you all for listening to us. I hope you're not already sick of us yet because we're going to be here (laughs) for a long, long time. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. And even when we get into our respective schools, MDPA, whatever, we still want to help you. So stick around. I'd also like to thank Aditi Galande, who works on our podcast and edits our audio and provides feedback, as well as Ari Rosenthal, who also edits our audio and has made the intro for us. Both are volunteers with the National Pre-Health Community. Aditi is our CDO, and Ari is our podcast and Twitter manager. So big thank you to both of them. And yeah. Okay. And then before we go, I just want to say... We're going to start doing this as we continue on. If you have any pressing pre-health questions, we'd love to answer them in our podcast each week. So please shoot us an email to nphc at nationalprehealthconf.org. And we would love to answer any of your pre-health related questions. And if you could just make the subject line podcast, we'll be able to find that really quickly. And we'll definitely feature those in our podcast. Yeah, and share this podcast with at least one person that you know in the pre-health world. I'm sure it'll help you and I'm sure it'll help them. So thank you so much for for doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Bye guys. Bye guys. This podcast was produced by Ari Rosenthal and Aditi Galante. You can find our conference on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at National Pre-Health Community or MPHC 2020. You can also find our pod on Instagram at the Pre-Health Pod. Don't forget to register for MPHC 2023, July 26th to 28th at www.nationalprealthconf.org. And please like, leave a review, or tell one friend if you liked our pod. Thank you for listening.